the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Hopefully. I think there's enough out there that uh, we shouldn't have to be shy. I dig your phone calls, 800-516-1220. If you're afraid of me, shame on you. You're afraid of hearing the truth about money that you may or may not want to hear. Throw me a softball. Um, give me an easy question. So, should I pay off my mortgage? Hmm. Zynga shares are rising on new management shakeup. Hmm. Plenty to talk about. Um, I saw a statistic that just, I'm not going to say bummed me out because that's the wrong phrase. One in three Americans check in on Facebook daily. One in three people in the United States, more than 128 million people. About 24 million in the United Kingdom do the same. This is the first time Facebook, the social network, network, has released such data on specific regions. 128 million people. Now... AMC practically wet themselves with glee with 6 million people seeing Breaking Bad on Sunday. 6 million people. Whee! AMC's happy. Facebook, 128 million people a day. Say hello. Hello, Facebook. Remember AOL when you'd log on? You've got mail. Yay! And we were so happy. Egypt has declared a state of emergency for one month. Wow. Macy's quarterly profit trails expectations. That's not good. Fall of gold takes down a whole industry and investors with high hopes. Remember old Annie? You've got high hopes. Yeah. Annie, you probably shouldn't have such high hopes. Redheads always get the, how shall we say, short in the stick with the redheaded stepchild jokes. 
Um, so gold dreams not ending well. Other stories of note today. Apple at $500 a share. For the record, I don't share Apple. Carl Icahn takes a bite out of Apple. Right? Um, what's interesting to note about that is a lot of what he's saying is true. In the sense of the stock looks cheap. They should borrow money, buy back shares, a lot of shares, while the money's cheap. If interest rates were at 6 7 8%, you'd be crazy. But interest rates at 2 3 4%, when you're able to overcharge people for your products, maybe you should do it. I don't know. There's certainly no right answer. Or if there is, I don't know what it is. In the face of rise in interest rates, it's going to have a ramification on Apple. Do they borrow? Do they not borrow? It's going to have a ramification on you. Do you get a mortgage? Do you not get a mortgage? Is it an affordable mortgage? Is it not an affordable mortgage? Disappointing earnings guidance from Macy's. John Deere. Better than expected earnings, but they were so reduced just one week ago. That's honestly like saying, yeah, back in my college days, I weighed 190. Now, years after that, I'm at 290. But one week from today, I'm going to be at 288. (laughs) Yeah, right? You still aren't in college fighting shape. So this political conflict is deadly. Literally. I know you're saying... Is he literally meaning that? Yeah, it's literally deadly in Egypt. And that's a bit of a problem. 43 are dead in Egypt. Security forces bulldozed two protest camps set up by supporters of ousted President Mohamed Morsi. Who I would refer to as loser. According to correspondents, many appear to have died from gunshot wounds. That's not funny, cute, entertaining in any way, shape, or form. I can't even make that funny. So, what do you do with that? You look at the price of oil. It's not really reacting. It could. Anyhow, um, is the market peaking or not? SeaWorld had an awful quarter. Shamu the whale, my first girlfriend in high school. Not not bringing in the crowds like she used to. It's down 12%. It's underneath the IPO price. Some would say it's underwater, the IPO price. I know. I need a better rim shot than that. That sounds like the rim shot from like a six-year-old's toy. SeaWorld posted profits of 41 cents a share. They said bad weather for declining attendance at its parks. Now, what's interesting to note about that fun, Cedar Fair, Six Flags, um, Disney World, Disney, they didn't say bad weather, but Shamu the Whale, I know you're saying, you dated a woman with a blowhole? I know, right? Story of my life. 
Brocade Communications, a networking company, up 16% on healthy earnings. Cree, down 16% on lowered guidance. X1, which is a 3D printer company, which we've seen the stories. You can make a gun at home. Of course, it only fires out of kind of like a dart pace. But it is what it is, right? To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Thinking that you want to talk about what you talk about. I'm seeing a lot of red today. Other than Apple up 5 bucks and it toyed with 500 for Uno Momento, which for my English-speaking friends means well, it's one moment or a moment. It's, it's a, uh, a Mexican phrase tied towards Latin American, tied towards Spanish, tied towards non-American English. Uh, uno momento, one moment, just so you know. Uh, Disney's lower, IBM's lower, Chevron's lower, Exxon's lower. Facebook's higher, but it's still playing with that 38 level, right? It's still playing with that IPO level. Bank of America higher. Someone asked me the, uh, yesterday, any ideas for me? I said, Bank of America or Citigroup. Got a great story on San Francisco. San Francisco. Um, people are pissed. Well, no, no. Tech people are happy. Non-tech people are pissed. They're being pushed out of the city that they can no longer afford. No longer can afford. No dogs allowed. We'll take a break here. We'll be back. You stay where you are. Feel free to give me a call. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. This Bay Area update is brought to you. online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. It doesn't kill in Egypt. Pretty big story today, right? It's probably only as big as the legend of Ron Burgundy, Anchorman news breaking today. I know you're saying, is there Ron Burgundy news breaking today? I know. And how is that bigger than Egypt? And why is there always, and this is not to take away from the deaths in Egypt, but why is there always someone in like an Egypt riot story Wearing like a Sesame Street Elmo shirt. What's up with that? Do we export horrible shirts? or Is that something I didn't know? Ron Burgundy's writing a memoir. I don't know which story fascinates me more. Ron Burgundy, a character played by Will Ferrell. 
in 2004 comedy Anchorman. In the upcoming sequel, Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues, he's pinning a tell-all book to hit shelves this fall. The title of the book has let me off at the top. My classy life and other musings. There is something funny about that right there. The fact that Americans will read a fictional biography or were thought to read a fictional biography. So, not so thrilled with what I'm seeing in Egypt, but I once was speaking to an ABC correspondent from the Middle East, and what was interesting was the phrase, regime change takes time. For the United States to be happy with what happened in Iran, Iraq, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Egypt, Syria, we won't know for 20 years. We look at it now, we're like, oh man, that's unsettled. But in 20 years, if it's settled, it's nice to see. I don't really know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. I have a radio show, and you're listening to me for a reason. People know me. I want to say something. I'm going to put it all out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. I'm very important. You're so wise, you're like a miniature Buddha, covered in hair. I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. What? You ate the whole wheel of cheese? How did you do that? Heck, I'm not even mad. That's amazing. Mm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Oh, beat me on the... Here it goes down. Down into my belly. I'm desperate. How do I fight the scotch line? Um, I'm in a glass cage of emotion. I'm kind of a big deal. Ah... I'll say I started with that one, and with that said, game over. This is not amateur hour. Um, Other stories of note today. Retail sales growth fell short of expectations. Bit of a story out of yesterday. Americans aren't really ready to spend enough to kick the economy into a higher gear. I kind of teased this story a little bit in the first segment, but let's hit it again. San Francisco is increasingly divided. Young, wealthy tech workers and those who are being pushed out of the city. Every weekday, starting at dawn and continuing late in the evening, you can see a a fleet of buses rolling through San Francisco, picking up tech workers, driving them south. It's a perk offered by Apple, Facebook, Google. Big old luxury buses equipped with air conditioning, seats, wireless internet access. They get the ease of going through whatever street they want to, whenever they want to. It's kind of like the alien overlords' buses of, why are they picking up these young people? Where are these young people going? It's aliens eating them. No, no, they're just working in the South Bay. The high-tech invasion in the city is driving up the cost of living to where a lot of people can't afford to live. Dramatic increases in rent, housing prices, evictions have sharpened inequality in the city. The Mission District is ground zero for this whole battle of young people coming in, throwing around money. 
The Mission District is historically a working-class Latino neighborhood. But bidding wars, wars have come in. Literally, when a house goes up for sale, a bus will stop in front of the house, and 20 Google employees will roll out and all decide if they want it or not. So anti-Google graffiti has turned up. Anti-gentrification rallies have heated up. Now, if you're Mayor Ed Lee, you love it because the average per capita income going up, median household incomes have fallen, but the taxes that are coming in, you're like, thank you. Um, There's been some boorish behavior. You know, San Francisco is no doubt one of the world's homes to wealthy companies. Food stamp participation hit a 10-year high. Homelessness has increased 20% in the last two years. You know, young people don't give up their seats on buses to elderly people. Naturally anymore. You know, when I was growing up, that was a natural thought. Uh, a young man recently gave up his seat to an older woman and he said, I don't know why old people ride Muni. Techies frequently use their smartphones to hop rides with Uber car service to get to and from work and around town. So a huge black town car limousine. Armada is a reminder of the divide of the haves and have-nots. It'll be interesting to see. Um, it's kind of got a great Gatsby, Jay Gatsby, Don Draper, epitome of luxury feel to it. Typically ends badly. I don't know. The barriers to entry for tech companies, a lot less than they used to be. But of course, everyone wants to be uh, close to universities. Last year, this whole haves and have-nots kind of got dramatic when Sean Parker spent millions on a fantasy Lord of the Rings-style wedding in Big Sur. Isn't Big Sur supposed to be about trees and not orcs? The guy who founded Yammer threw himself a birthday party at the cost of $1.4 million with a Louis XVI theme. And he ate cake. Wow, right? You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. You're Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in. Some stories I can make into magic and some I can't. Elon Musk doesn't necessarily get all the laws of engineering correctly. There's a third law of thermodynamics that he's missed about the heat of compression of air. But I won't get into details. Because I don't quite remember them other than that I studied them once. Piano maker Steinway sold for $512 million. Is that a story? 
That'd be tough for me to play off as a star. $512 million deal. Hedge fund manager John Paulson made sweet music for investors. He topped a July agreement via the company to sell to Kohlberg. I, you know, a musical instrument stock story, of course we've seen, you know, the Paul McCartney's of the world's, Barry Gordy's, you know, these instruments go back easily to 1800s, mid-1800s. An artisan-crafted piano, I can't make that into an investment story, unless we could somehow tie it into Facebook. That's kind of the dumb things people say on Wall Street right now. So where's the sizzle? Okay, I'm going to be selling you Steinway. It was a made-to-order piano, artisan-crafted. We believe that one was um, thrown to uh, Milliard uh, Fillmore, and Franklin Pierce succeeded him. And, you know, romantic, rich source of music around the world. Does it connect to to Facebook? <laughs> That's like where we are in the world of the investments right now. Trust me, I've been there. I've been in those meetings where they're like, okay, so what's the sizzle? And keep in mind, when you're talking about what's the sizzle, it's steak, right? I'd rather have a good piece of meat that's not sizzling than have a bad piece of meat that sizzles. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. I'm not looking forward to the movie Kick-Ass 2. Just being honest with you. Telling you my weekend habits. The S&P 500's down 2, the Dow down 39, the NASDAQ down 2. Joining me now, certified financial planner Chad Burton. He is with New Focus Financial. You can find them online at newfocusfinancial.com. One of the areas that I find to be intriguing, again, there's a lot of components that go into retirement. There's mortgages and, and investing, and there's insurance, and there's budgeting. It mortgages, 30-year uh, versus 15-year, paying it off early, don't pay it off early. Let's talk about one of the greatest arguments that I've had in financial radio is I don't ever prepay a mortgage until I'm wealthy. What's your thoughts on that statement? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Your house is going to go up and down in value regardless of how much you put into it. And especially if you're buying in areas like you know, the Bay Area, yeah. where there could be an earthquake at any time, that type of level of risk, I want the bank in on it with me. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because the worst thing that could happen to you is you could end up uh, you know, walking away from that deal with really bad credit for a while. <laughs> so, and that's better than... Or a tax bill. If, you know, right now, if, uh, if you walk away a short sale a home on your primary mortgage, it's, it's not going to be taxable in the past. It has been, so... Something that people don't acknowledge is they, they look at a mortgage and the first four letters are mort. You know, it's, it's death. It's not a positive word. And I think it's, it's a fantastic word because where record rates were in, in low mortgage rates, that's heaven. Mm-hmm. You get a tax deduct some of your income off the interest. That's amazing. That's a huge benefit of a mortgage. Um, you get to write off the interest against your taxable income. That's, that's nice. Again, maybe that'll last forever. Maybe it won't last forever. But a mortgage is a cheap cost of money, Chad. Yeah. It doesn't readjust for inflation. And a lot of what you talk about is crap that readjusts for inflation. Like $100,000 in cost will be 200000 because it's readjusted for inflation. Your mortgage, your payment, 3000 a month, 4000 a month, it's the same. It doesn't readjust for inflation. And if it did, it, it would be a horrible product, but it doesn't. 
Well, and let's talk about the 15-year for a minute because 2011 was kind of a year where I first started saying, hey, you know, you should probably look at a 15-year mortgage to right. some people. Absolutely run the numbers. Because you can you can sit there and you can take your 30-year, which might have, you know, 15 or 20 years left, refinance to a 15-year, possibly pay it off sooner. But, again, that's that's because it's already going to be paid off in a shorter period of time or you're used to that payment. Um, I consistently find in states like Oregon and California where I have clients – the people that go into retirement with a mortgage, which can still be a deduction on your state income tax return, okay, um, and the people that have long-term care insurance, which also can create tax deductions for you, they end up paying less in state income taxes. So as long as your mortgage is over 150, 180,000, but if your mortgage is under that, you're not really getting much of a bang for your buck anymore right. because the the mortgage interest deduction is so small, it's almost the same thing as if you just do what's called a standard deduction and you're not writing off your interest. So you know, if, if people right now your mortgage is only around two hundred thousand dollars, by all means, get it paid off by the time you retire because it's not really going to be a tax deduction for you anyways. It's a pretty powerful tool. There's an investor named Mullenkamp. Do you remember Mullenkamp? Yeah. yeah. He wrote an article about mortgages back in the seventies, and, and the theory that he threw out there was uh, it's not your home that goes up or down in value; it's the value of the mortgage that goes up or down in value. And it's a concept that most people just don't get, but. I, I think it's genius, and it, it changes the way people approach real estate in my mind once you once you grasp that concept. Yeah, it's not the. I mean, it's the affordability of the, the affordability mortgage of the that mortgage. determines the price of the home, and so the affordability of the mortgage is run by two issues: interest rates and wage inflation. So it's not, you know, it, it, well, location can come into play a little bit too. But if interest rates are super high, even the location doesn't matter. So I'm not big on the whole uh, mortgage burning book at the end of the 30 years, like. Uh, my parents, they wanted to burn their mortgage book, you know, the, the coupons, the payments that they sent in. They'd have a mortgage-burning party. Mm-hmm. I think it's the most powerful tool on the planet. It, it even allows me to sell my real estate without selling it by taking out another mortgage against it. So I think it's it's unbelievably flexible, and it should be a word that inspires awe, not fear. Right, and there's a certain way to look at financial planning, and some people look at it, I want to maximize every dollar, and that's my number one goal. There's other people that look at it and say, this is, what I want money to do for me is to simplify my life and my family's life. So some people could say, I want my mortgage paid off because that's what makes me feel comfortable in retirement. It might not be the best use of each dollar, but it makes them feel comfortable. And there's a lot to be said for being as comfortable as possible and having as few payments in retirement. Some people, that's their main goal. And, and so don't be ashamed if your goal is to pay off your house. But um, just realize that it might not be the most maximum use of each dollar. Absolutely. And again, I, if you're poor, pay off your mortgage because you have a mortgage on a trailer and it's 18%. And if you're super wealthy, pay it off because it's an inconvenience to send in a mortgage payment. And everyone else should should, should let it go. Just pay it on time is the, is the trick and the important thing. You're listening to me, Rob Black, with CFP Chad Burton. You can find Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. It is back to school season, which I also like to refer to as hurricane season which also I like to refer to as watch that crazy video on YouTube season. But yeah, it's back to school, right? It's August 14th. Where did the summer go? There's mayhem going on in Egypt. Mayhem, I tell you. That's not good. I'm taking a couple days off, and there's mayhem going on. The Egyptian army made good on their long threat and promised to crack down on Protest encampments. Field hospitals are setting up. Death count stands at 129. Morsi backers are saying the count is at least 500. 
maybe 9,000 wounded. And it's crazy, crazy footage coming out of uh, Egypt on Twitter. You know, things on fire. It really makes me want to rethink my Egypt vacation coming up. Bulldozers. People with guns. People with gas masks. People without military training with guns and gas masks. Riot police. I just don't like it. It just tells me that uh, this is going to take a little bit of time to settle down. Sadly, innocent people are going to be victimized. Sadly, some non-innocent people are going to be victimized. But it tells us the Middle East is still very volatile. I typically, as an investor, go back to a statement that I threw out in my 20s that I think was smart, and maybe I stole it from somebody. But when I get an email from someone later today, like, I think I should sell out of the market now because what's happening with Obama, what's happening with Congress, what's happening with the Middle East. And one of those I could rest easily and assured by saying the phrase, they've been throwing sticks and stones at each other in the Middle East since the year zero they'll probably end up doing a lot worse. Declaring a month-long state of emergency is part of the process of removing power from a central figure who was elected and abused it to potentially hearing the voice of the people. I think that's a good thing, but it's destructive in the change. What we're seeing out of Brazil with people who are angry at government spending and government mismanagement, government corruption. It's dirty. It's nasty to look at. But it leads to good things. Because where it's hard is, is an improving life for the average person. Which should help world economies. Got a big event coming up in Los Gatos, the cat. Coming up September 12th. You can learn more about the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Rob Black has a financial interest. AM twelve twenty KDOW traffic. This area update is brought to you by. Who are the winners and losers on Wall Street? Visit Rob Black's YouTube channel for a fresh take on the market each weekday with Rob's morning market notes. You'll also see Rob's winners and losers and find an endless stream of financial insight when you browse hundreds of Rob Black video clips. Share them with your friends. Subscribe to YouTube channel Rob Black Show or follow Rob on Twitter, handle Rob Black Show, and you won't miss a clip. That's YouTube channel Rob Black Show and Twitter, handle Rob Black Show. Rates, policy forms, and availability vary by state. Did you know that U.S. stock? You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. On AM 1220 KDOW. 
So UPS plane crashes in Birmingham, Alabama today. My first thought was, I hope I didn't have any Amazon.com, Amazon.com packages on that plane. It's a freight plane. It was a passenger plane, but two pilots passed away in the crash. And yet my first initial thought was, I hope I don't have packages. I hate the industry I work in. I work in news. I work at a news station television. I work at a news radio station. The news radio station's at least decent because I'm talking about money. The news television station that I work at is tied towards just horrific child abuses and murders and abductions and do it again and again and again and it becomes discouraging. You know, I asked them the morning anchors, I said, do you ever feel like a little post-traumatic stress? And they all kind of looked at me like I was kidding, but it weighs on you here. Um, like the Newtontown Massacre, when you have to work at a news station when that happens, it's not fun. So today we learned that a man who authorities said was mentally unstable and believed a device had been implanted in his head, shot two hostages, killing one. Can you imagine if that was your loved ones or family? Someone you love taken away from you because someone thinks that a device has been planted in his head? Now, of course, we better check his head just to make sure, but he's dead, and that's tragic. And It just seems like the world's... And I know this has been the truth for 30 years. It seems the world is just incredibly erratic. Hostages never, ever. So, if you want to off yourself, I, I think we could all agree, go ahead. But don't take someone down with you. So, Chipotle may have to sell beef treated with antibiotics. Chipotle is a publicly traded company. It's a company that I am intrigued by, I'm fascinated by. I love Chipotle because they always give me more rice than the person in front of me. I just look at them slyly and I'm like, thank you. But now they're going to start selling meat from cows treated with antibiotics because they're ill. Now we've all seen the YouTube videos and they're heartbreaking. Just as much as a young person being taken away because someone thinks the device is in their head. You don't want to see a cow mistreated. And we've seen cows that can't stand up. They're so weak. End up in slaughterhouses. So Chipotle may have to start selling meat with antibiotics in them for a company that was founded in 1999 that has a food with integrity program that's expanded to beef and chicken, not just pork. We've seen horrific videos of people killing hogs just for kind of the fun of it. But U.S. beef production is expected to hit a 21-year low next year. Thank you, hot weather, last year. Um, so Chipotle may have to change their angle. That's a little bit of a shocker. you got to come with me and say, shocking. Okay. Now, I'm going to give you two weight loss companies. You tell me which one the celebrity works for. Jenny Craig or Weight Watchers, okay? Jenny Craig or Weight Watchers. Jennifer Hudson. Jenny Craig or Weight Watchers. Mariah Carey, Gene Craig, or Weight Watchers, Valerie Bertinelli, Charles Barkley. 
So the story comes out today that Jenny Craig is going to go away from celebrities because you can't tell which celebrity is which. Why pay them a lot of money? What I find interesting about that, Hudson and Barkley, or Weight Watchers, uh, Mariah Carey, um, and Valerie Bertinelli are Jenny Craig, right? I think. But here's what they're going to do with this. So instead of going with ads with celebrities, and again, Valerie Bertinelli was cute 40 years ago, and now she's motherly and she gained some weight and she's older and she's not working out every day. Famous for being married to Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen, crazy man. But celebrities can be polarizing, but they can also be um, you know, overused. Ads without celebrities rate slightly better than with ads with celebrities. Like some celebrities, if I see anything Kim Kardashian is pushing, I will boycott it. I dislike the Kardashian angle. I dislike that we've given them years and years in fame, millions and millions of dollars, for basically being boorish, whorish people. I hate you. I hate you. I don't even know you. And I hate your guts. And Obama even attacked the Kardashians, saying, you're ruining America. Justin Bieber, anything he pushes, I won't buy. Sarah Jessica Parker, her and her horsey face. <laughs> Pushing Manola Blahnik's 20-year-old girls. She should be ashamed of herself. Tiger Woods? Eh, I kind of like Nike. The Tiger Woods, some people are going to go, he's got boorish, whorish behavior. I will never buy anything Nike. So do you see how it's polarizing? you got to be careful with celebrities. So what Jenny Craig's going to do is they're going to come out with an ad. It's going to be computer animation. <laughs> Which, I don't know. Keep in mind, I was, was up for the e-shirts uh, spokesperson. I think I got down to number the round of four. And it's given away to, get this, a cartoon female ninja. So I lost a job to a cartoon female ninja. I love the idea of e-shirts. Shop for insurance, it's cheap. Uh, shop. Some insurance is the same. And the only thing that differentiates it is the price. Macy's cut outlook after disappointing guidance. X1 slides on lower revenue outlook. X1's a 3D printing company. Brocade higher. Deer. Shares rise. Sales and profit jump. Oh, I got a big event coming up in Los Gatos, September 12th. It's a Thursday retirement event. You can learn more and sign up for it today at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Back in your money. Weekday mornings at 7. Here's the good news. Thanks to a... Welcome back. <laughs> in Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. This hour, I'm going to speak with an economist. I know you're saying you. That's right. Jeff Rosen. Dr. Jeff Rosen. I don't know many doctors, but the ones that I do, when they're economists, I love it. I like talking economy. I'm going to throw a massive curveballs. Of course, I'm not going to throw a massive curveballs. Um, but we will talk the economy and some of the surprises that we're seeing out there and how weak our U.S. recovery is. And is it enough? I mean, the status quo is not exactly thrilling anyone at this point in time. Surprises in China have turned negative earlier this year. 
weak second quarter economic data. Japan surprise index shows a clear waning of excitement surrounding the economic reforms going on there. So in aggregate, it's been a surprisingly negative year. In the United States, surprises surged in a positive territory in the month of August for the first time since April. So what's that, the concept of surprise? And how does that have anything to do with the economy? We'll talk about that. Uh, because I see a dis- devastatingly slow recovery in the United States. I see it as not living up to our growth potential. And I'm more a little worried by that. Potential growth is a function of two variables. Um, the growth of the workforce and the growth of productivity. So when you hear about productivity numbers in the United States, they're important. When you hear about jobs created in the United States, they're important to the overall economy. A healthy economy means profits at corporations. Profits tend to mean one of two things. Uh, Infrastructure expansion. Let's build a new building. Let's hire some new people. Now, when you build buildings, you put to work tree companies. Let's go chop down a tree. You You put to work miners. Let's go get some copper out of the mines. You help the transportation indices, moving that goods to your new building. So I don't think we're living up to our potential. For me, it's okay because, let's just put it this way, I'm an overachiever. Now, something I want you to pay attention to, very close attention to on Wall Street, is what I just said, next week I could change my mind. I can go, woo, we're, we're out doing our potential. Look how great America is. USA, USA. And some days I'll say things like, we're the best house on the worst block. You know, yeah, I I like us better than China and Europe right now. If I were an investor, though, I like Europe because I think they've had the the most discounting going on. And I like discounts. I kind of like a slightly damaged woman. I kind of like a slightly damaged economy. Stupid, yes. Real? Maybe. John Oliver taught us a lesson last night. No, on Monday night. Um, John Stewart's coming back to The Daily Show, and I'm going to miss John Oliver. I think he's done a, a... I've actually taped the shows because of him. He taught us a very powerful lesson about what I just said. Next week, I can change my mind. There's a website out there that tracks all the gurus and people like Jim Cramer. Where he's super happy, super sad. Super happy, super sad. Super happy, super sad. Market's definitely going lower. It's going lower. It doesn't go lower. Market's going higher. I told you it was going higher. Uh, Kramer saying things like how he loves research in motion. I was one of the four horsemen of tech. He doesn't say that anymore. Oh, it's so sad. It's a Canadian company a lot like Nortel. They're sad. So John Oliver talked about Chris Matthews, who I interviewed once on national radio, and he was just a jerk. He was not kind. He was not sweet. He was not nice. Um, Maybe I wasn't ready for him. I mean, I'll I'll put some blame on me. But his latest prediction was for Election Day. And and this is what John Oliver did was he heard Chris Matthews say that Senator Rand Paul is going to run for the Republican nomination. And he thinks he's going to win the Republican nomination to be President of the United States. So says Chris Matthews. Now, 
John Oliver goes back a little bit in time. In 2006, Matthews predicted Judy, Rudy Giuliani would become president. In 2012, he predicted Michelle Bachman would beat out Mitt Romney. So Chris Matthews has a history of being absolutely wrong. Why should we even listen to him? Who cares about his opinion? But people will remember what they want to remember. Keep in mind, Chris Matthews isn't in the business of being right. He's in the business of getting eyeballs to watch him or read his books. But John Oliver did us a favor by saying, look, people, you're silly for reading his books or listening to him. So a sinkhole opened up near Disney World. And for some reason, Florida is popular with sinkholes. Like, they're big pockets of, of ground that have air pockets in them or something like that. So, what's the story there? So a sinkhole opens up near Disney, and now there's a four-hour line waiting to get in, Right? Rimshot. Sinkhole opened up at Disney, and there's a four-hour line to get in. Oh, tough crowd. Tough crowd. I want, I want the loud rimshot, the one that says that was funny. Ha, 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 ha. Maybe a golf clap? France moves out of recession. <laughs> so I've recently been studying people eating because I study things, and it helps me calm down and helps me understand the markets. Did you realize that there's four types of eaters? There's people who crunch. There's people who chew. There's people who suck on food. And there's people who smooch food. Some of us are all four, but food companies are fascinated with the way we eat to the point that they know how to market to us. They know how to develop products around us. Texture is critically important. As is taste in product. So next time you roll up to a restaurant, please note the texture because it's tied towards what sort of ear that restaurant thinks you are. Um, Panera, love the stock. Chipotle, Love the stock when it's cheap, not when it's expensive. Chipotle's got a bit of a problem. Beef prices are rising. Thinnest herd of cattle in the United States in 21 years. You probably have to go back to being a nine-year-old girl to remember it this cheap. I know you're saying, I'm not a 30-year-old woman. Well, okay, just go back to being a nine-year-old girl, and that's when the last time meat was this thin of a herd. So they may have to start selling beef with antibiotics. Interesting. For a company that says they're not, they may have to. I know you're saying, did you just say France moved out of a recession? I did. See why I like Europe? Because the expectations have started to bottom. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Bill Cosby once talked about the way you should dress when you buy a car. What do you think about that? Let's take a little bit of a break here. Come back. Talk about investing. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. It's the Wall Street Business Network. You want to negotiate price? Dress down. Don't dress up. 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial on the Wall Street Business Network. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. This area update is brought to you by Garmin. We're looking at a major... You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Paula Dean, judge threw out a racial discrimination lawsuit against her. A lot of financial damage has already been done from that suit. The Southern cuisine maker, expert, has a net worth of $10 million plus. Her annual potential has been cut clearly. She was probably making between five and ten million in annual revenues from cookbooks, restaurants, branded retail product sponsorships. Food Network probably gave her a salary of roughly six hundred thousand dollars. So she's lost a lot of revenue. To get your calls in there, it's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. We have a down market today. To me, we've got the dark days of August. I just don't care. We as a nation kind of lose a little bit of interest right around now. Waiting for back to school numbers. SP 500 down 6, the Dow's down 76, the NASDAQ down 10. Welcome in CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton is with New Focus Financial. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. One of the big questions that I get via email and and phone calls on a regular basis, Chad, is lump sum investing. I just inherited $100,000. I just inherited $40,000. And my next question, if it's a chick, is like, you got all your teeth? Like, are you good looking? Like, (laughs) what's your number? What's your number? (laughs) I've actually done that on air, which is pathetic. But um, lump sum (laughs) investing versus dollar cost averaging, these are two themes of investing. I say when you get a lump sum, just invest it because it will work out over time. What's your thoughts on lump sum investing? Well, most people are already dollar-cost averaging through their paycheck, um, okay. their 401K. And dollar-cost averaging works when there's, you know, when the market is it has periods where it's trending lower over a year-long period so that you're buying sometimes at a low and sometimes at a high. Um, so if there's a significant correction and you've got cash to put in, I would just put it in. But if you're doing it and the market's at the higher end of a you know, 12-month trading range, then dollar-cost average to a point that makes you feel comfortable. The problem that people do when they dollar-cost average is they let the motions get involved. So they'll start off and they'll say, oh, I'm going to do X number of dollars per month. And they say, oh, no, the market's too high or I'm going to wait for a correction. And they skip out on their plan. You need to write down your plan on paper and says, I'm going I'm to dollar cost average just cash into a balanced portfolio over six months, 12 months, two years, whatever it may be, something that takes the emotion out of it. Right. It's the emotion that makes it difficult. In a 10-year period, none of it will really matter. It will not matter. It's just how you can avoid getting your emotions involved in investing, and that's usually by a written plan that, that you follow that you don't, you know, you got to stay the course. Your written on. plan is a funny idea because most people remember things the, the way they want to remember them. They'll say things like, oh, I knew to buy Apple when they came out with the iPod, but did they buy Apple? Mm-hmm. A lot of day traders will be like, oh, I knew it was going to move from, you know, 440 to 525 after they reported earnings, but did they do it? And I recommend people, you know, if, if put up or shut up. Write it down and give it to your wife. Yeah. If you have a great idea, write it down and give it to your wife. Because, and then when you need that money back, ask for it back from your wife. 
you could practice on paper, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And, you know, and if you look at the last decade, which was tough for investors, the S&P 500 is relatively flat if you don't count dividends. Um, but a balanced portfolio still averaged over 6% over the last 10 years, even with the credit crisis, the real estate bubble, and all that good stuff. Um, so a balanced portfolio will work out over time. And I think the, the problem that investors that are coming in with cash or they've been sitting in cash, the problem they deal with is they're only watching stocks. Right. So they, they forget that a balanced portfolio, when the stock market is really rallying, will underperform in the short term, but it will outperform during the 3 out of 10 years that are negative. So 7 out of 10 years are positive, 3 out of 10 are negative. And asset allocation means you're keeping up with the market in the good years and outperforming it in the bad years. So that's what you want. I'm a big fan of dollar cost averaging in the 401k. With if you're going to try to do a trade, then you don't you don't you, you lump sum it. You know, it it all depends on your expectations and your goals. But we preach diversification of equity. Um, so lump summing it doesn't make a lot of sense. At the same time, though, I you know I take over um, portfolios, uh, sometimes large companies yeah. kind of rhyme with disher. We see over 100 different stocks. Be careful. That guy can kill you. <laughs> we see over 100 different stocks, and you're like, okay, what's the point of picking 100 different stocks? Yeah. We have 1% position. What if that company does really well? It's not going to make a difference in your portfolio. So when I pick individual stocks, we typically keep 20 to 25 positions yeah. in the portfolio. Do you know why he puts people in 100 different stocks? Because it's impossible to quit them. You're thinking if I quit and I have to sell all these stocks, it's going to cost me an arm and a leg. That's why exactly why when I set up my company, we use TD Ameritrade as a brokerage firm, and my yeah. clients get uh, free trades for the first 60 days because yeah. I usually have to go in and fix portfolios because they have way too many positions. They're you know concentrated one sector of the market instead of being diversified, and we've got to fix it. So you know trading costs can become expensive if if you've got you know 100 positions or if you've got over 13 mutual funds, you're typically way over diversified. You got too many positions, you can't possibly follow it and have a daytime job. That guy you mentioned, name rhymes with Disher. I once said on air that his sales force is kind of cheesy and smarmy, young guys who have, you know, cuff links and uh, initials on their shirts and stuff like that. Like these initials right here? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm like, they're kind of douchey. Like, they're just cheesy guys. He called me. A billionaire calls me, and he's like, I heard you have something negative to say about my company. I'm like, I'm so, 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 so sorry. Please don't kill me. <laughs> I was afraid of him. And no comment. <laughs> no, I'm scared. CFP <laughs> Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One in three Americans visit Facebook daily. That's 128 million people. That's crazy. Um, one of the reasons we don't succeed is because we're on Facebook every day. One reason we don't succeed is because we make excuses. We'll say things like, that's not my job, don't ask me. We'll say things like, I'll believe it when I see it. I've seen it all before. That's why people fail. Yoda said, that is why you fail. You can't see beyond what you've experienced. That'll never work, an excuse that people make. It's too hard. I can't do it. I won't do it. Already tried that. Sounds great in theory. So if you're hearing these phrases, you're seeing someone who is going to fail in life. 
when you hear the writings on the wall, or I'm not comfortable with this. They don't pay me enough to do that. They're just going to have to wait. So just some of the language that you use tells me if you're a winner or a loser. I don't need anyone's help, loser, as long as it doesn't affect me. That's how how we've always done it. I don't have time. It's not you, it's me. (laughs) The classic to get out of a relationship. Got a big seminar coming up in Los Gatos. You can sign up for it. It's a retirement workshop Thursday, September 12th. Sign up at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. a financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. This Bay Area update is... Zero, 8800. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. On AM 1220, KDOW. Welcome back in, Rob Black. And your money. 24-year-old female cyclist is fighting for her life in San Francisco. After colliding with a truck. San Francisco, we biking is a way of life here. But again, it teaches us disability insurance life insurance. There's so many financial lessons in the headline news. Joining me now, Dr. Jeff Rosen. How are you, Dr. Jeff Rosen? Good. How about yourself? Good. Other than reporting that a 24-year-old cyclist was just hit this morning. Oh, any big economic data that you got for us today? No, PPI was released this morning. It came in under expectations. The energy index somehow ended up with a small decline. And uh, it confirmed the view that uh, inflation growth is weak and almost non-existent. Now, that's a good thing, right? It's a good thing depending on who you're talking to and depending on if you're holding, you know, real assets or not. I mean, if you you have debt and uh, inflation doesn't grow, it means that it's harder to repay your, 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 uh, your, your debt off. If you hold the debt, it's great. So I tend to refer to numbers from PPI and CPI, producer prices, consumer prices, as we kind of want Goldilocks. We don't want it too hot. We don't want it too cold. But kind of a little bit on the warm side, a little inflation is okay. Am I crazy for saying that? No. I mean, that's exactly what it is. I mean, the, you know, the Fed th- thinks that, you know, that 2% inflation is optimal. You know, if that's the optimal number, it may, it may not be. It may actually be too low. You know, that we've seen... Um, you know how the Fed has been trying to uh, you know, fix the the system. The inflation levels were too low for uh, you know, for monetary policy to work. So maybe three percent is a better number. But regardless, somewhere between two and three percent. That's that's what you want. So why should the average listener care about producer price indexes? Can you put it in terms? 
honestly, they shouldn't care about it at all. It's one of those numbers that the market looks at. It does not translate into uh, CPI very well. Um, if you think about what the index is, I mean, it's, it's mainly a manufacturing index. And if you look at what, what consumers purchase, we don't purchase manufacturing goods. So the correlation between PPI and CPI aren't very good. What you kind of want to look at is just pick and choose certain indices within the PPI that tends to fall through to the CPI, like gasoline, uh, some food prices, um, some car prices. But beyond that, the index really doesn't do a very good job of uh, explaining how the consumers are seeing inflation. You've got a fun job in my world, but to some it's intimidating as all heck. You have to deal with population growth, labor supply, potential labor force, and there's a lot of variables in all of that. Um, talk a little bit about that angle of, of playing with numbers that come down the road. Well, the demographics are actually a huge part of economic forecasting for the next several years. I mean, if, the reason is they get a big change in the makeup of the uh, potential labor supply as you have the boomers start retiring. Now, one of the things that people have been talking about uh, especially on the unemployment front, is that uh, the labor force participation rate has dropped significantly since the start of the recession. And, you know, the, the common adage is that people can't find work. They're leaving the labor force because they can't find anything. But if you look at the demographics, a lot of the people that are leaving the labor force would have naturally left the labor force just because they've aged out, meaning that they're entering the retiring years. So, you, you have to take more into consideration on how demographics are going to play because you have smaller amount of incoming people coming in to fill those spots, meaning you're going to have a smaller labor participation rate, meaning you'll probably have a lower natural unemployment rate. I was reading a report out this morning from Citigroup, and the headline was tied towards economic surprises, basically being negative this year. So as much as we do or you do about looking down the road and using all these variables, Japan's kind of disappointing. And, you know, you take a look at Europe and China. China's de definitely on the disappointing side. The United States, we've kind of started to surprise to the upside. Is there anything that you can talk about surprises in hindsight and how this economic activity is, is surprising us? Again, Japan weaker, China weaker, U.S. better recently. I'm going to focus more on the United States because I don't really look at the expectations of China beyond, you know, just the general expectations or, or Asia or Europe in, in general. But if you look at um, the economic situation in the United States, we've created a briefing.com surprise index. It differs slightly from the Citibank index in which that we focus only on the variables that make up economic growth as opposed to survey variables and other variables. Our index matches up closely with the Chicago Fed's National Activity Index, and then we compare how the actual data is meeting with our briefing.com consensus expects the data. And we've noticed a big trend, too, in, um, in downward surprises. And a lot of that is just the way economists tend to think. You know, the data showed up stronger in the beginning of the year, and the economists got over, you know, overexpected. They they got, you know, I don't know if you want to call it happier, but they got more believing that the economy was better than it actually was, and that better than the underlying trends or currents were running. 
And it takes a long time before economists change their minds. So we've been seeing this big decline in our surprise or negative surprises constantly throughout the year because economists are slow to react to the uh, actual ways of the economy. And what tends to happen then is right about now you're starting to see uh, the opposite surprises where economists are underpredicting things and you're, and you're going to move back up towards zero, probably move up a little bit in the positive side. But um, it's something I watch really closely because I want to know what people are thinking and how people are thinking. And it also explains Fed movements. You know, if you look at the expectations, you know, it makes sense that everyone's assuming that the Fed's going to uh, start tapering in September because, you know, they're expecting the economy to be better than what it actually is showing. Now, if you just take a step back and look at the uh, actual hard data, which we hope the Fed is looking at, then uh, the data, in our opinion, doesn't showcase much to start tapering. I mean, it still shows a very weak economy. So you get that, you know, pull and, and twist from why the economists are expecting something and why the Fed is not. And we've actually written quite a bit about this on the website on, on briefing.com, and, and I keep this, uh, these charts pretty much up to date about once a month or once every uh, couple months to show how economists are thinking because, you know, it explains a lot on, you know, why, you know, consensus expectations are changing so quickly. Thank you for answering that, because I don't think that was an easy question to answer, tying surprises into the stock market and into the economy. I, I loved hearing that, and I'll listen to that again. You recently penned a piece called The End of Uncertainty as a Policy Tool, uh, which ties again into certainty, uncertainty, surprise, negative, positive. Um, the Fed tapering... I saw a debate on this recently that it's already been priced in the market because we already know that September it could happen. Do you think that's a truth? Yeah, I think that there. That, well, I think most of it's priced in the market. I think that you know people are expecting you know a certain amount of tapering. If the tapering comes in much larger or or you know, much smaller than expected, you could have some shifts in bond prices to account for that. But for the most part, you know, the, the Fed has been talking that tapering, you know, is possible, but, you know, the hinting likely to occur in September. And, you know, if you listen to the consensus of economists, especially from the big banks, you know, they're all seem to be leaning that tapering is coming. And if these are the market movers, these are the ones driving bond prices, they're preparing for that. Now, one of the things about the Fed is that the way – the Fed works is it, is it works through, you know, these type of transparencies and confidence in the Fed. So if the Fed hints that it's going to do something, the market starts pricing that in as soon as the hints start coming out. You know, it doesn't wait until the actual effect. So the Fed can get an idea of, you know, how tapering will affect the economy or affect market prices just by saying, look, we're thinking about doing this, and then all the investors rush in to prepare for that. And that's how it goes. Now, if the Fed all of a sudden doesn't follow through, you know, and you play this, you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, uh, eventually investors will not listen to what the Fed is saying, and, and the Fed won't get that uh, reaction. But the Fed wants that reaction. So, you know, it, it's getting what it wants. It's pricing in what it wants because it's explaining to, you know, to the market this is what we're likely to do. We have under a minute. Is there anything that you want to squeeze in, Dr. Jeff Rosen? 
just that retail sales were very impressive yesterday. Uh, okay. We totally did not expect that considering the weakness in the employment numbers, which means that uh, consumers are much more either happy about their current jobs and the fact that they don't feel like they're going to lose them, or they're taking wealth from the stock market and from their housing that has increased substantially over the last you know several months, and uh, we're starting to see the wealth effect from it. The retail sales numbers that we saw, I saw Costco good, I saw Michael Kors good, I saw Gap good, but I saw a lot of weakness too. How did the retail sales components get put together? Uh, it's a survey mechanism. The the, okay. um, the Census Bureau basically just has a whole bunch of retailers that they send out information and ask them to send back uh, sales reports. Sounds good. You're the best. I really appreciate your taking my curveballs as well as you do. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist, Briefing.com. Briefing.com has market strategists. They've got traders. They've got market insights. They have economists. I rely on them for independent market analysis, both on a global and domestic level. I use other sources, but I use them first go-to in the morning. You're listening to me, Rob Black, on the Wall Street Business Network. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. J.C. Pennings has a new ad that's getting some controversy. It's a back-to-school ad. I guess if you look at it one way, it promotes bullying and puts pressures on families. There's nothing that scares me more than to see a child bullied. It's a frightening experience to watch with that said can you imagine if your kid was being bullied I think the whole media reads too much into commercials at times and it's tragic that I'm even talking about it at this point in time but that's where we are there is a story out today from Bank of America that says it's time to buy the crash test dummies interesting they pulled out a chart that shows an August survey And they're taking a look at asset classes, what's done well, what's done poorly. Discretionary stocks, U.S. stocks, banks, U.K. stocks, equities, industrials, tech and real estate, all have done pretty well. What's under-owned, though, in portfolios, cash, bonds, utilities, materials, telecoms, commodities, energy, and emerging markets. Emerging markets are the least in favor. Commodities and telcos and materials following. So there's over-owned, banks, U.S., U.K., equities, industrials, tech, discretionary. There's under-owned, energy, commodities, telcos, materials, utilities, bonds. 
And they're saying, we're more bullish on global growth. They see a rotation to cyclicals. They're still shorting resources. They're more bearish on bonds. Treasuries are likely to rally. So they said, you know, some of the contrarian trades, if that's what everyone is expecting, you should go long emerging markets. You should short the U.S. markets. You should go long gold. You should short the dollar. You should go long bonds, short the NASDAQ, long utilities, and short the banks. Now, again, there's way too many calls in that for you to act on. But I like the thought that Bank of America put into that piece. Is it right? It's never going to... You can't judge it that way. It, it's, it's not up for interpretation of A, B, C, or D. It's, this could happen because of, what we're curr- of what's currently happening. Now, if September, if Obama comes out tomorrow and says, you know, I'm going to cut taxes on capital gains to nothing, market rallies, and whatever Bank of America said in their report means nothing. There's too many variables that happen to take that report in a static form and to execute it. Are you with me or are you against me? Because you've got to choose a side. This is a civil war. SP 500 down 5, Dow down 70, the NASDAQ down 8, 10 year treasury sits at 2.71%, gold sits up 10 bucks, 1331. I would say that's probably, you know, produced price index wasn't all that fun today. Retail sales pretty good. Apple CEO has better things to do than to chat with Carl Icahn, but Carl Icahn's moved that stock. A lot like that horrible show, Move That Bus, which I think is almost the lowest form of television made because it makes you cry expectantly. Um, Microsoft has done a lot of restructuring. Zynga hires an executive from Microsoft who's doing a lot of restructuring. You got to. Your time on the job is going to be judged by the stock performance as well as the earnings. And when you inherit a scenario, it's time to say, I don't like this CEO, I don't like this COO, I don't like this CPO. What a dumb title. Chief Person Operator. Blah. Are you with me? Are you against me? We've created too many titles. Which goes back to my... Um, which goes back to my angle of be careful who you work with because I once had a friend out of college get a job as a stockbroker and his card was vice president at Citigroup. And I'm like, you're vice president? How that happened so fast? It sounds like a good title, but it doesn't mean a thing. Just know that, okay? Um, you know a good idea for this Hyperloop? Is that what I'm, am I saying that right? Hyperloop? A lot of people are talking about, and this is where Elon Musk made a mistake, I think. He's talked about building it between L.A. and San Francisco. Who's going to fund that? Right? California bondholders? It looks like it's cheaper than the bullet train to make. It's a capsule that rides on air. It shoots through a metal tube. Who should fund that? Should the, the taxpayers? How about the casinos? That's the right angle, right? If you want to test the technology and get it out there, build the Hyperloop from L.A. through the desert and into Vegas. Right? And the casinos would pay for it. 
It would bring more people to Vegas faster. It would be kind of like a ride. They could certainly make their money back on it. I would imagine that they're looking into it as we speak. And again, Musk wasn't wrong to say San Francisco to L.A. Because we all leaned in and went, ooh, that could be fun. But what he should have said, we can fund this overnight with profits from the tables. i got an event coming up. Hopefully you're there. Los Gatos. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be doing radio and television. You never know. I know I'm not going to be doing it the day I die. Or unless I die to doing it. To get your calls there, it's 800-516-1220. Hopefully I'll see you soon at an event in Los Gatos, September 12th. Retirement Workshop Boot Camp. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. September 12th, Thursday. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.